Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. But what if we challenge ourselves to go back, look where we are now, and where we want to be? That is why we exist. To focus more on different perspectives. The way we analyze film with respect to the lens in which stories are told. In search of authentic diversity while still keeping the emotional connection. Because every movie makes us feel something. Yo, yo, yo. Good evening, everybody. This is Kales Davis, and you are now a part of the Feeling Film Black Label coming at you tonight on a beautiful Sunday evening, at least from where I'm from in Washington. Let's go ahead and introduce our reoccurring black critics. So first off, let's give a big welcome to Kobe Mack. Yo, yo, yo. What up, everybody? How we living? Also next is E-Man. E-Man, come on in here. What up, what up, what up? And now also, but last but not least, certainly not least, we have the queen, Aaron. Say what's up, girl. Holla, holla, holla. He doesn't so- follow directions. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what is good, everybody? It is good to be back. Yo, it's good to be back. It's good to be black. And I love seeing y'all faces. This is the highlight of my week. I love that. I'm going to steal that. It's good to be back and it's good to be black. I love that. Oh. That's a t-shirt. Absolutely. That word blow. Yo, I really wish there's so much stuff that I see on t-shirts, but like, I'm not a t-shirt dude. Like, I want everything to go on a hat. Like, I'm a snapback guy. Put everything on a hat for me. Snapbacks? Yeah, I man. t-shirts. What? Ever since I started knowing how to make them, I got too many. I got hoodies, t-shirts. Oh, it's I'll rock a hoodie. I, They're I like super hoodies. easy to make. They're super easy to make. I yep. love wearing hoodies, but like, with me, I'm like, my entire life, I've been in between big. Like, you know, growing up, People would tease you like, oh, that's the fat kid. But I've never been like the real big fat kid. I've just been like, oh, you big enough. You could be thin, but you're not. So we're going to get on you more. But like nobody really made fun of like the big fat kid, right? So like I just never could rock like a t-shirt the way I wanted to. You know what I'm saying? And I'm I like, give me, a, give me a hat. You know what I'm saying? I, I, then I got to point out like I'm a little you know, I man. Feel that on, like that. I feel that on a cellular level. I believe, <laughs> I I believe the term is called thick. We, we, we're, we're thick. Guys. With two C's, with yeah. two C's. There we yes. go. <laughs> I've been thick all my life. So, Exclamation yeah. marks at the end of it. Yeah, yep. man. Like I've yes. never. You know, there was a one point where I was like, I want to be like Fat Albert Big, because nobody gonna get on me. Everybody loves a big guy. Yes, they will. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But never to your yeah, face. Yeah. yeah. Never. Uh, look, I don't know where you grew. <laughs> Aren't you in New York? Like you on the East oh, Coast? So, so this is the thing. So like, I was born in Miami, and then I moved to New York, right? So it was different. Okay. Like. Like, I didn't, nobody made fun of, like, me being, like, medium big. They made fun of me because I was light-skinned. Like, <laughs> well, talk about a segue <laughs> <laughs> into today's topics. <laughs> so today we're going to do the good, the bad, and the ugly of black cinema. Mm. So, uh, who wants to kick it off? What are we doing first? The, uh, let's start with being positive. Like, what were those black movies that you just kind of grew up with. Aaron, Queen, kick it off for us. Ladies first, ladies first. Ooh, <laughs> ladies first, ladies first. I wonder how many folks first. listen right now. I hate the you guys. I hate y'all so much. <laughs> I hate you guys so much. I think the, the biggest thing though is going to be how do we define black cinema? And I think that's, uh, that's a little bit harder. But if I had to choose like some of the ones that I, I absolutely loved growing up, um, number one that I 
introduced my partner to because I just I couldn't I couldn't understand how he hadn't seen it yet. It was coming to America. Woo! Ultimate of all time. I one goat. of my favorites. Yeah. Um the color purple. Mm. Absolutely phenomenal. Like can I'm trying to think of one from like each genre. Okay. Um will we will we call Blade Black Cinema? Oh hell yeah. I will. Yes, okay. Of mm-hmm, course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. First major black And I mean then you have like the would you yes, I guess superhero would be, yeah, I would call yeah. him a superhero. Yeah. 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 Um I mean and then you have movies that are just like I don't want they're not stereotypical, but like when I think about like black movies that su- like are subject around like love, I have like Love and Basketball, Brown mm-hmm. Sugar, Waiting to Exhale, those movies that I grew up with. Now there are a lot of films that I still need to like. I ne- I haven't. I know y'all gonna roast me every single time, but I feel like I have to lay myself down at the altar to show people that even critics are still learning and still growing and still expanding their knowledge. So like I still have to see how Stella got her groove back. That's okay. That's okay. You still kind of young, too. That's all right. I mean, I'm almost 30. There was a catalog of DVDs that were in majority of black households. How Stella got a groove back would be in there. But you mentioned some, like, some good ones. Like, you mentioned, you know, uh, Brown Sugar. I love Bass. Bass Bass. Bass. Bass is one of my favorite. With Holly Berry, bro. Love Bass. Yeah, I'd say, say, those are probably, like, a good solid, like, five that I, I absolutely love. Um, I know that they're, I'm mentioning all older ones, but I think it's important to talk about the older ones because they paved the way for these newer ones that we have. That's real. All right, Kales, what you got? Black cinema was very celebrated in my household. And I used to, um, my mom and my dad would sit me down and everything and they would tell me how it was important for, like me, a black kid to see a film led by a black man because because you're going to see a lot of films that are led by a white person or anything like that. But, hey, like, get you some experience with our own people so you can appreciate it more when you get older. So I grew up on a lot of Eddie Murphy, um, Tupac films. Um, I Denzel, of course, Denzel was very big in my house. Some of my favorites would have to be um, there was the Mighty Quinn. I'm not sure if most of you heard that, but that's like one of the early Denzel films where he played the Tetris. That was a really good one. Then, of course, you had the Color Purple. Um, there was Juice with Ernest Dickerson, who's one of like the best cinematographers working in Hollywood. Just doesn't get enough credit for some of his early films in the 90s. Then you got Spike, you know, with Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X. Um, I use as far as like comedy i would say um there was a film called woo and it had jada pinkett smith and tommy woo. davidson in it yeah love oh, that man. my mom would literally burn out the vhs watching that all day when it first came out so there was woo um there's so there's so many to really think about of course there's boys in the hood menace yeah. to society then you have yeah, there's just so much I could really think about. Like, I can I be here all night naming just my there's favorite black films. There's a of black films. Like, I think you pegged on, like, the different subgenres, right? So, like, I would classify Love and Basketball, Brown Sugar, even, like, Waiting to Exhale and, like, How Stella Got a Groove Back as, like, righteous black rom-coms, right? And then I would classify Woo, Booty Call, um, deaf comedy jams, how to be a player, as like <laughs> ratchet black rom coms. You just take all my things. You just I got the stuff. 
Yo, and this is the thing. Wait, wait, wait. I gotta, I gotta just mention the very first exposure that I had and my very first R-rated movie, which I know it's technically R-rated, but because I saw it on television, it wasn't, I didn't see yeah, yeah, yeah. the extent of the R-rated. Edit version. Please the say. The Players Club. Oh, oh yes. yes. Make the money. Yes. Don't let it make you. Make that money. I, one, I have a member. Oh, I saw that gosh. when I was like eight years old, and it was on at like three o'clock in the morning. Never told my parents. You know what's the craziest thing? That was my thing? first exposure to that movie, and I still remember that quote. We were all exposed to these films probably before the age of 12. At least we were not teenagers. Like, like I remember, like the earliest film where I saw like a principal black cast, and I think I was like four or five, was Posse, right? Blazing Saddles. I mean, like you're talking about like the raunchiest, like of just I've got no idea why I was allowed. Like I was, I remember like distinctly when I was young watching Jason's lyric. Why the hell was I watching this movie, man? But like, uh, there's there's so many. I feel like I've seen. I definitely haven't seen them all, and I really want to. I have no idea if that's even possible, but, like, I really want to. Like, there's – I want to spend a good chunk from, like, 1975 up until 2000. Like, I want to challenge myself to watch every black film. And I guess, like, whatever – like, what is – like, what makes a film a black film? Like, I, I don't even know, but I want to try to do that. Man, you guys named, like, so many of them <laughs> that I already – that was already on my list, so – I mean, you know, and it's crazy because, like, for me, you know, uh, my parents are Haitian. So, like, we didn't grow up with American black anything, including music, for that matter. So I was just kind of – I was sitting there watching The Mask growing up, Lion King, you know, just whatever little things because <laughs> we didn't want it to be too gangster, you know, in the household. But as I grew up and I started, you know, watching my own stuff or whatever – um, I did start to get more exposed to all black movies um, that and, you know, to Kobe's point about like what makes them black, for example, was really just the lead and not only that, but the culture that they tapped into. Hey. So, you know, it's one thing to have a black lead. But if you're not tapping into black culture or an aspect of it, then I don't think you're necessarily in that realm of a black film. So, that. yeah, How to Be a Player, I thought Bill Bellamy was hilarious. Oh, my that thing made me have so much confidence. I just wanted to be him one day. Um, he was Hitch I, before Hitch. He was Hitch before Hitch. Um, you know, uh, Baby Boy later on definitely yeah. started to get hit oh, me. Yes. Higher Learning. Um, uh, Malcolm X, you know, all those different things that you guys mentioned. Is, of course, Love and Basketball. Uh, Blade. I mean, I was on Blade. Like, it was just like, what is even Spawn? Spawn's not a black movie, but just the fact that the 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 Michael uh, J. White the actor was in there and he was black, I was just like, wow. And that, that came out before Blade, and it never and it never got it like the recognition because I guess Spawn. Uh, it it kind of sucked as a movie. <laughs> the movie it kind of sucked. But I'll tell you this though, kid, I wore that VHS out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did too. So Yo, I, I didn't really care. John Leguizamo, but. like, oh man, that was good. I, I, ah, no, you're right, man. It's, it's different. Like, I, I think trying to understand, like, even that definition of, like, black cinema, it's, it's not necessarily like who it's targeted for, but I think really is it's about who was leading, like, in that film or like a supporting or whatever. Like, it, for the longest time, I thought the toy was a black movie because it was allowing Richard Pryor to be completely himself right and a lot of the comedy derived from the like 
racial and power inequity between him and this kid. You know what I'm saying? So like, it felt like it felt like I was. It felt like it was a part of the culture, but also like it, it was. It was doing this thing where it was catering to to you know you know what I mean. It was catering like the color purple. It was like it was for us, but it was also like very palatable to everyone else. I don't know. It's like a gray area. It's a gray black film. <laughs> oh, that's fair to say. Yeah, but it, well, it's... and I don't think that black black film doesn't need to be made just for black people. And I think that that is something that that a lot of people are having to realize is that we we I think we mentally associate that black film is made just for black people because most of our lives, most white people have not been interested in our stories. So it feels like this was made just for us instead of this was made about us for us to enjoy and to experience seeing ourselves on screen while other people can see it as a learning opportunity so that they can hear about our stories in a palatable way. Yeah. And I think to your point, we treat black films the way we treat black history in this country. Black history is not some separate, isolated thing in a vacuum that just happened. It's American it's American history. history. And in the same sense, these black films are films that just so happen to tell either something from black cultural perspectives or black characters or whatever. So, you know, and, and I think part of that, and I'm guilty of this too. And I think a lot of people are, you know, uh, incidentally um, or inadvertently, I should say black cinema is not a genre and we really have to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it's not something like horror. It's not something like drama, like, Black cinema is something that we kind of classify, but it's not technically a genre in itself. Because when we treat it like a genre, then we avoid it like we do certain genres. Same way Aaron has said many times. She's not a horror person. And that's cool, but you don't want to be in the mindset of, I'm not a black cinema person. You know, because that's, that, that I think is problematic. And we 100%. don't want, that. we don't want to encourage that. You know, if you see a movie that has predominantly black people in there, that doesn't mean that it's not for you. You know, if you're not black. So we really want to kind of make sure that we break that stigma in terms of how we approach and we kind of talk about it. Even though I understand, you know, it is kind of hard to, uh, not talk about it in a certain way because we are talking about a very specific type of films that talk about specific issues. But again, it it's a difficult thing to break away from, but we should be moving towards that. Hopefully, if we get more opportunities, more representation, then there won't be such a thing as black cinema. We will just have movies that happen to tell, tell black stories and move from there. Yeah, I think the thing about um, black cinema that there still is the issue within our own community. I like to jump on what E-Man said is that black cinema, for some reason, is seen as like a lower class standard than according to the what you see in the mainstream of Hollywood. Like the reason why most people I don't think have heard of many of the black films that there might be even some films we listed tonight that many people have not heard of is because. Well, like you said, we don't have that access. We don't have the resources. And then also we get tagged with the urban. I hate when black films are called urban films because everybody associates the word urban with like a ghetto or like a wrong side of the tracks or like a bad side of a bad part of the city you don't so want much. to go at night. Yeah. And the, and, the, and the reason why, you know, most of the time 
there's a stigma because then people go to a theater and there's like, well, I don't want to go see an urban film. Like it has that little stench on it. And I notice when I go see these films and I look inside the audience, it's mostly all of us, but you hardly see any other type of race in there because it just feels like, like you said, Aaron, it feels like people are thinking that black cinema is just only for black, for black people. And it shouldn't be that way because it doesn't do well to keep out anybody who wants to know about black history. Like there'd be, there, there's people who's ignorant about our contributions to the entertainment industry because they just haven't had the access or the way to see it. So if some, if a white person was to come along and understand the black aspect of things and to come see a film, then they will get a chance to finally open up and broaden up their viewpoints on the world and the way they look at certain things. So I think there needs to be a calling for a way to get rid of that whole urban tag on black cinema. And then that's when we can start to have more things open up for us. Yeah, y'all make some really interesting points where even amongst ourselves as moviegoers and then even further as film critics, we do treat black cinema as if it is a genre. And you're right, E-Man, we got to break that stigma because it's not. Because it can be the the hurdle, and a, a, a hurdle that we don't need to jump. Like, we just really don't. Um, And, and I wonder, kind of moving into maybe the bad of what some people could consider a black cinema I've asked myself this question. I wonder if you guys have tackled this too. Do you feel like as critics that we critique black films differently from other films? I think everybody's going to handle it differently. Um, I personally don't. I think I handle the visibility of these films differently, but my actual critique of the art that was created, I handle exactly the same way as I would any other film. Um, I think the only way that you need to tread lightly is in the realm of black cinema. And I know we'll probably talk about this a little later, but when you have movies that are dealing with difficult topics that happen within the black community, the extra layer of critique that I have would be the same thing with any movie that deals with a topic that is specific to one community or one marginalized group of people's experiences. Um, I would ask what lens is this being told from? And does this person have the understanding, the wisdom, and the maturity to tell our stories and have it still be equally effective? So the movie um, that John Boyega was in, uh, Detroit. Yeah. Is that that should Bigelow, not right? have been that should not yeah. have been told the way that it was. The nope. the horrors of that night truly existed, yes, but you could a lot of black people, myself included, could see the white lens that 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 movie was told through and it was very affecting of my critique of the film so i, 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 miss, was, I, I still left very one. angry yeah i, I missed um, that one could you like give me like a little yeah because I I, I I i don't know why i just yeah I no um it. it came out in 2018 18, i yeah. think yeah um and it, it's a movie about an event that happened in the 1960s i want to say um, I think it was the late 67, um, and it was based off of the Algiers Motel incident, um, which is where I'm trying to think of what the best way to describe it that doesn't, one, spoil anything, but also, like, I mean, I know it's obviously based on history, so you can't really spoil something that has history. So I'll just read what the film thing says. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to read the whole thing. Never mind. It's 10,000 <laughs> sentences too long. Um uh, it's about the they, the Detroit Police Department did a raid on an unlicensed club during a celebration for returning black veterans from Vietnam. 
while everybody was being arrested, a mob started forming and threw rocks at the officers. And that is what started um, the uh, 12th Street riot. While that was happening and the city was essentially getting on fire and stuff like that, obviously there were other rogue groups kind of dismantling parts of the city and stuff like that. While they were looking for a couple of people, the police rounded up everybody in a hotel and lined them against the wall, demanding to know who the sniper was that was shooting people that were involved with the riot. Um, they didn't find anything um, on anybody at the hotel to actually indicate that anybody there was guilty. And so they, it's pretty much just several hours of them terrorizing and harassing black people in a hotel. Gotcha. And you said that that, that perspective, just did it feel like inauthentic or... It not necessarily wasn't inauthentic, but you could just tell that they 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 added extra layer of horror and un, there were a lot of gratuitous things that were done in that film. And it's very difficult for me to explain without spoiling the movie. Okay. But there were things that like even when you read the history of this night that I just felt like she she tried to make it too pointed. And at that point, it came across as very disingenuous to me. Mm, like, don't yeah. get me wrong. I still left very angry because I knew exactly that, you know, the history yeah. of the evening and I knew what had happened realistically. But again, so the, the anger emotionally that I felt was more about the incident in general and less about the film. But I think that I, my critique very much would, would include the lens of who's telling our stories um, and I, I say the same thing for, I, I know I mentioned it, but working for Amazon Prime, we just had a show launch called Hunters. That is the story. And it talks specifically about the Jewish experience in New York, in America, post-World War II with Nazis living in this country. The reason why I enjoyed this show so much is because the front runners are Jewish. Yep. The director, I believe it's one of the directors or one of the writers, based this on the story of his Safta, his grandmother. And I think that is something that you need to take into account is whether or not the people who are telling these stories or the lens that they're told through are justified in their telling of it. Gotcha. And, and not only, not only that, but like, are they taking the time and due diligence to get it right? Um, I think, uh, a really good example would be Steven Spielberg with the color purple. You know, he was really deferring to, a lot of other people, whether it just be the source material or just the actors on set, like, hey, is this right? Like, hey, how would this sound? Or does this feel right? Like, when you have that level of humility, um, to approach a topic that, let's just be honest, is not in your, it's not in your purview. It's not your wheelhouse. Um, it's essential for you to be able to tap into that, you know, around you or from other people that just, have that perspective to make sure that you're getting it right because yes you want to get your own artistic spin into it that's no doubt about it but um when you're trying to tell someone else's story you 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 just have to do it with as much care as possible and you know in the story of you know at least detroit for example um bigelow went out she you know did interviews and stuff but my only my well one of my issues with that film is doing interviews is not enough you know that's that's like getting secondhand knowledge that's um you know i could get a i could read a quote from someone in a uh you know a newspaper or whatever and that could be the same thing as talking to them straight up but telling the story how you tell the story how you make it visual for people that's another layer that you're not going to get from just interviewing people and i think that's where it was lacking so while some people might not understand the difference 
uh, with the movie like Detroit and say like, well, what's the big deal? She got the facts right here or there. It's how you tell the story that also makes a difference. You know, and, and when we start talking about these different lenses and just to kind of give a practical example, I won't go too deep into the movie Detroit. Just imagine with this one movie, it'll be a vastly different movie if Spike Lee had told it or if Ava DuVernay had told the same thing. It just, if you just understand how they approach topics, Detroit would be a completely different movie. So I just wanted to leave that at least for that point. Yeah, I know mostly for me, the way I critique and kind of look at black films is like y'all said, just based on how well the story can be translated. Well, that feels kind of real to me. And I know I may be looking at it from a subjective lens, but all art is subjective. There's not really any objectiveness to art, no matter how much people may believe that. But I try to look for something that feels comfortable to me. Like if I see a film and the way that certain people talk, the way that they react to each other, the way that certain things are staged and everything, if it feels like something I've seen before or something that's very familiar to all like, you know, African-Americans, like, in this country, then it's something that has been successfully told. The only thing I don't like is that I'm noticing a pattern of her historical tales, like you said, with Detroit, or with 42, the Jackie Robinson story with um Chadwick oh Boseman. Oh, my God. Oh. And, and the worst offender of all is The Last King of Scotland. Um, It was a film... With Forrest Whitaker, he won the best after Oscar for it, even though I don't see how he did, mm-hmm. compared, considering that his character was nothing but, like, he was supposed to be a leading actor, but the whole story is told from the perspective of James McAvoy's character. It's, um, it's, it's, instead of just focusing on E.D.I. Men, he's on the poster and everything, and then there's Kerry Washington, but the thing about it is that James McAvoy is the one who's guiding the story, and it, it just doesn't make any sense to me, cause, for me, I don't understand. If you're, if your subject of your film is based on African American, you want to show more awareness and get these stories out, why not let that, that person carry the film? Why continue to let the, um, the lenses of, you know, a white person guide a story? The same thing with Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington and so much more. So for me, as far as a black film, I try to look for the way that the story can feel realistic and if our intentions and if our real feelings are infused in with the direction, the writing, the acting, the screenplay, and even the way the actors carry themselves as far as the character. Now nah, y'all, y'all are all making like some like amazing points. And I, and I say that I feel like they, it's really a matter of intention and checking the, the responsibility for how you critique any film, right? Like, I feel like that as a job of a critic, right? You build an audience and you also want to be conscious of who your audience is, right? Um, and do a good job of being representative of what your standpoint is on that, right? I think that we all have a responsibility also to understand like our biases. Like we all have blind spots in certain films. Like, I mean, Aaron, you pointed them out. Like I, like one, the call the wild movie that's out right now like i just i don't i don't know why i'm just not i i don't do dog movies like i like they just don't offer anything to me i know like they can't not be good it's a dog movie right (laughs) you know what i mean and i think that some folks may have biases of black films either they've looked at it as oh that's an urban film it's not for me and i'd almost rather you choose to check out of it right as opposed to go in and then hold it to some type of standard because you 
you don't have this relationship to these type of stories and how they're told or understand the audience of which they're catered to, to then say, well, it's not meeting the standard that I have in my mind. Like, because we understand, like, one, there's a reason why TV movies don't look like movies that come out on the big screen, right? And I will say that in the terms of black cinema, they have a distinct style. It doesn't look so distinct to us because it's what we relate to. But to someone else, like, it, it, it irks me when I see reviewers that <laughs> who <laughs> who give their input on a film and it's like yo i think you're missing like all of what this film is doing or also what this film is doing for a specific audience and i feel like when i look at their because i'll go deep i'll look at other people's reviews of other films that like okay remember the movie palms last year okay this is a movie about Senior citizen women, <laughs> white women predominantly, and Pam Greer was in there as well, right? And they're inside of a retirement home, and Diane Keaton wants to be able to like relive her glory days and start cheering, right? In the technical objective elements of filmmaking, it's not the greatest film, right? And then there was an, and then if I wanted to compare it to, um, Little with, <laughs> with Regina Hall and Marseille Martin and Issa Rae, right? Because they came out like around the same times and I'm noticing reviewers reviewing these films and you, you know, you just get like, hmm. hmm. I don't, I don't even see the, mm. I don't even, I don't understand. I'm confused. It's, it, no, it's, it's, it's mainly just in the way, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm overthinking it. But y'all ever just like read reviews? It's just like, huh. Hey, 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 hey man, hey man. Say it with your chest. It's black label. <laughs> I see what you're doing. You're dancing right now. Say it with your chest. Say it with your chest. Say it with your chest. Tell it, yo. Truth. Like it, it's no. It's just it, it. It really does baffle me when like it, it's why. Like you know what you know what you're saying. I, like I just this film is too like it's pr- pretty much what they're saying in the review. This film is too black for me and I don't understand it because I don't understand it. That subsequently makes it bad. And I, I cannot tolerate it. So you're that. saying there's an inherent bias with some reviewers when it comes to films that are, let's just say, all black or predominantly black cast. And it's problematic because some of those, let's say, black films are very synonymous to other films that they probably would have a very fine time with. Is that fair to say? Very fair. Check yourselves, reviewers. Now look, let me let me just throw something in there because this might get a little spicy. Um, I will f- actually admit that you know the question was uh you know how do we critique black films differently? I do critique them a little bit differently, only in terms of sometimes I just don't want to critique them, um, which is not always good because sometimes they do need more exposure. And obviously, who's going to give them, the, give them that exposure but us black critics, right? But I, my issue is, and I, I kind of do this with other films, too. Um, if the quality does not appeal to me, if, if it does seem like it's kind of amateurish, I will avoid it. Um, and that's just out of respect. Like, I just – I don't want to diminish or tear you down as a filmmaker – even you might be telling our story. So perfect example, black and blue, that movie was atrocious. It was really made poorly. 
the message, the intent, the um, the idea behind it. I loved it. Oh my gosh, I loved it. But the execution was just terrible. So for me, I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, do I get anything out of this by informing people that this movie was terribly made? Or, you know, do I just let the people that would have enjoyed this, kind of like a a Tyler Perry approach, the people that would have enjoyed this are going to enjoy it. The people that are not are probably going to know very early on this movie's not for me. So some of these movies, and again, maybe that's because of lack lack of opportunities. Maybe that's because of the fact that because they don't get these shots, they don't have the time to mess up and to grow and to mature as a filmmaker And for me, I do kind of get a little hesitant in wanting to, you know, grade them harshly or just grade them at all until, you know, a little bit later on where I'm like, all right, this is like your fifth, sixth, seventh feature film. Now we can start treating you like everybody else and hold you to that standard. So that's, I guess, my skewed perspective in terms of uh, reviewing and critiquing black films. Sometimes they just are not all that good because they just don't have the experience even though the heart and intent is in the right place. Kobe, I know that got you feeling some type of way. <laughs> nah, because I think you make a really strong point, right? Um, I think that there's a longer leash. Like It's kind of like what I see in football, right? Like black head coaches have to work twice as hard for a short amount of time yep. as opposed to you know retread white coaches that – They'll just get a chance whenever, just because they're, that's just, just how it they're goes, the young right? and up and comer. Correct, or the good old boys club, which we all know what that's like, right? So, like, I get it. Like, and I've noticed just in in looking back at 2019 and all of the black films that I critiqued. I mean, I did them all. I did Shaft. I did Lil. I did um, What Men Want and black and blue and queen and slim and for me and i i'm i'm really intentional about it i do not critique them any differently than i would let's say um you know uh, honey boy or marriage story or you know um uh, uh, once upon a time in hollywood i truly don't but i also make sure to color my perspective and understanding a couple of different things while there may be like one film is not purely objective or purely subjective me personally i believe it does lean more to the subjective because i think the way that we relate to stories and the way that they're told can influence the way that we appreciate a film right um but i think that there are objective elements i've been to film school and i know that you guys have studied film and understanding the way that you dissected there's some things where like what you're saying man well yeah if you don't get an opportunity to do and to create you don't have room to try to get better Right. So we're holding you up like I forget the, the director who did black and blue, um, but he, 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 he's got some work underneath his belt. But it and it's such a hard conversation. <laughs> like it, it is so tough because I tore that movie apart, but I did not tear it apart because I felt like it completely misunderstood how to gear this black story. Because like one, it didn't feel like a black film to me. Right. However, it was marketed as that. And I'm a big, like, I probably take marketing into a way of a film and how it affects an audience and, like, meeting expectations probably more than other critics do. Like, that's why I just fundamentally had so many issues with Queen and Slim. So if if I do critique a film differently, 
it is definitely the way how it's marketed that can have an adverse effect into my opinion on a film. And I think that's valid. And I think that we all kind of have to take that into consideration is that like in the other thing that E-Man that you said that I kind of want to make sure that people are aware of is like, just because we are putting a different kind of pressure on black films or different pressure on black critics, or like what Colby said is like, when you read people's reviews and you realize they missed an entire section of what this movie was about, it also could be that maybe their privilege or their perspective didn't a lot for their absorption of that information. And I don't think it's something that we should necessarily hold against people or treat people unfairly based off of something that they miss. It could also just be that what you got out of that film was targeted for people like you that are receptive of that information. And I don't think that it's, I don't think it's something that we should try to look to bound, like to put boundaries on as far as what it means to critique black films I think it's just something that we all have to continue to grow and to educate ourselves on so that we as a community can continue to create pieces of art so that the ultimate end goal is like what he said is that we just have film period is that we just have film that tells stories from different walks of life, regardless of who's starring in them and that we continue to support the stories that we want to see instead of feeling like you said, like, you're like, you know, I kind of sometimes just avoid them. Like, you don't ever want to feel obligated to see a movie because you know it's for your people or do it for the culture. Like, okay, I'll do it for the culture because I know we need to get to some place to where we don't have to do it for the culture anymore. And that sucks. And I know that there are going to be a lot of melanin deficient people that listen to this and say that, well, it's racist for you to choose to support a black film just because there's black people in it. Versus a film that you could go see that might be equally enjoyable or even more enjoyable that has white people in it. Well, I'm sorry, but you're at a position of privilege where you can say those things. We aren't. We have not yet equalized the entire film industry to where there are equal amounts of opportunities for black people, Asians, other people of color around the world at the same footing of white people. So, yes, if we have to take a hit for the culture and, you know, what, we may pleasantly surprise ourselves and find a movie that we didn't think we would enjoy that we did. However, at the end of the day, our goal is to create the exact same equality that a lot of people claim we already have. Until we get to that point, sometimes we do have to do it for the culture and hopefully one day we don't have to. Has there been a film recently that y'all have been like genuinely shocked? Like, I did not expect to like this. 1917 for me, because I don't like war movies like that, but... Yo, like when I heard about the cinematography, I was like, oh, my gosh, like this was amazing. Oh, and Parasite. I mean, I like foreign films. I just didn't expect it to blow me away like that. So, you know. Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. yeah and you were ta- you were talking about that, I think, on I, episodes before. Yeah, I, re- I was delightfully surprised and. uh I would say Parasite as well, be only because I have a history of films that deal similarly to Parasite that I previously did not enjoy, or I shouldn't say that I didn't enjoy. I don't think I was in the right headspace to fully grapple the things that I was seeing, um, but I was like on the edge of my seat, and uh, Uncut Gems was the other one. Okay. Mines would have to be Little Women 
Like, honestly, when I saw that the trailer first came out, I was like, oh, man, I'm not going to see this, man. Because I, I, it, it harkens me back to um, my literature class I took in my first year of college where you had to read a lot of Jane Austen, a lot of Louise May Alcott stories. And nothing, nothing gets those stories. I mean, they're great. Pride and Prejudice um, supporters, I, I feel y'all. That was a good book. But, I mean, those stories it's just the, don't one of the best me, books you know? ever, okay? It, it, it is. <laughs> um, but stories like that, they like you know, heartwarming, like family stories. I mean, they're just not my piece of cake. I mean, I love seeing those things in real life, but as far as the film, they just seem like very run of the mill to me. But when I got in front of Little Women, honestly, it was one of the best book adaptions I've ever seen. Um, in my short time as a critic, like I was, I, I enjoyed from start to finish, like what it had to offer, and I consider it more superior to the book, in my humble opinion. Yo, that I think that's great. Like I know for 2019, one of the biggest surprises for me, I've never watched an episode of Downton Abbey ever, and here I am in the movie theater about to watch this film, and I'm like, wow, yo, <laughs> this is good. So, folks, we just got four really, really interesting connections to films that just based on marketing or trailers or whatever this could like we 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 we, i don't say we put ourselves out there but we stepped out of a comfort zone and essentially like that's we found something and 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 i really hope that people would do the same thing right so yo if you are not a person of color right and i'm trying to think of a film that like that's about to come out (laughs) you know or or, or like if you didn't get a chance to see the photograph you say you know what I just don't think I'm going to get anything out of it. Challenge yourself. Give it a shot. I, I think in putting yourself outside your comfortable, outside your comfort zone, you'd be surprised like how you can grow from that. You know, like, like really like just, just do it. And, 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 and honestly, I wonder, and, and, and this kind of leads to um, another question that we had got that really made me think on, on kind of like, I would say the ugly side, <laughs> the, the ugly side of a black cinema, but this came from, um, oh yeah, this came from a listener. Thank you very much. Right. And this is from, this is from Kate at captain underscore hangry. Hollywood only making civil rights and or slavery movies. Do you think they need to come up with original material or do you think those stories still need to be told too? And this feels like a really kind of like natural progression in the conversation because people have kind of made up their minds about all different types of cinema, right? You know, war films or horror movies or whatever. And when it comes to black cinema, like what Eman pointed out earlier, being kind of, you know, black cinema essentially being like, you know, um, a genre to itself, it, it's, it's not, it's not supposed to be that. It could be because they've made up in their minds that black cinema is just okay. It's either going to be a comedy or it's going to be a slave slash historical movie. So do we need to continue to reiterate those stories or do something new? Man, look. And maybe I'll add another little question in there. Why do we have to have that burden? Well, Okay, for the for the for the burden, <laughs> the burden I don't mind because those are our stories. 
So I would ra- I'm okay with that type of burden to tell our story. That's, that's totally fine. Um, but in terms of like what, what Hollywood should be making, I mean, we kind of touched on this in one of the previous episodes. Like I was like, yo, if we going to tell about a, 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 a slave story, yeah, give me that Harriet Tubman, you know, story. Give me that Robert Small story. Go look him up. Robert Smalls is a story. That's a slave movie. I will watch every single time as long as it's done right. But that is definitely an easy one to make. Um, matter of fact, oh my gosh, I forget the guy's name. Ooh, it's something brown. It's something brown. Um, it's a story of basically a white southern, uh, uh, um, southern guy. Basically, he, he basically was like the epitome of white liberalism in that time. Cause he was just like, forget white slavery, racism. I'm about to fight with black folks. I'm fighting against slavery. This guy, I'm so sorry. I cannot remember his name right now, but if you were to ever have the epitome of a white savior, that is a movie you can make and it's historically based in fact. So if we're going to tell these stories, one, let's make them true Two, let's make them from our perspectives and three. Yeah. We don't need uh, um the same types of stories. We need the photograph. You know, we need Queen and Slim. We need Black Panther. We need movies that can be anything about anyone. And they just so happen to have black people in them. That's totally fine because like we've talked about before, I really do feel like we've been so conditioned into believing that these are the only types of stories that when we do finally get something new, we're sitting here like, ah, I don't think I like this. Well, that's just because you haven't had enough. You know, you had no problem loving Love Jones to poetic justice to higher learning to we had no problems back then because we actually had that level of variety, you know, coming out. We still could have used more, but it was something for us to be engaged with, to tap into different things. I would love to see a black version of Honey Boy. You know, I, I, I'd i love to see something like that. J- just do it. You know, I think the closest we got was maybe last black man from San Francisco. Um, even though that wasn't my particular favorite, I'm glad that a movie like that exists with that level of avant-garde artistic perspective. We need stuff like that to keep pushing the envelope and expanding the range. So Hollywood, if you're going to make something, either make it from our perspective or just keep on giving us variety um, because we need that desperately. There's a motto that I've kind of globbed on to. Now I'll let you go. Les, I know you want to jump in there. If it's about us, don't do it without us. Like, Hollywood, if it's about us, don't do it without us. That's it. Yeah, I feel for me, um, as far as the civil rights um, movement stories and even stories involving slavery, even though I'm really tired of those movies, but I think there are there is still a place for them. Um, you would not like for the future generations to forget about their history, because then again, that's how history repeats itself. And I pride myself on learning as much history as I can, you know, just to have that foresight, that knowledge, that intellect and everything. So those stories do still need to be told, but maybe just have more variety. Like, don't keep coming out with MLK Bopic films like, you know, tell some 
look for some new fascinating and different characters in history and then bring and prop those stories up. Like I want to see a movie about the black wall street. I want to see a movie about, um, Buck Rogers, you know, who was a real black cowboy in the late 1800s, you know, like E-Man said, I want to see Robert Smalls or I want to see a movie about Garrett Morgan, the guy who invented the traffic light. I want to see guys like that. Um, the, the, the first guy who ever did an open heart surgery was a black man. Like, hey, let's tell a story about him. Like, have some variety in that aspect. But then also, I do want us to break forth into these genres like sci-fi, fantasy, adventure films, and especially coming-of-age films. As we, as black cinema, black cinema does not have its ladybird. You know, and like, and like, you know, we don't also have a honey boy, you know, so we need more films. We had Lady Bird. It was just called Fresh and it was 24 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> I love. Fresh. We had. Fresh. <laughs> Y'all remember Fresh? I remember Fresh. Or Girl Six? Like. So I guess I'm trying to. No? Yo, Girl, Girl Six. Girl, wasn't Girl Six? Wasn't that based on Shakespeare? Yeah. I mean, Spike always puts a little yeah, Shakespearean yeah, twist in there. Yeah. Thing in there. Like you I think I think you're right. Like it's like when I when I when I when I really thought about this question, man, I'm like on one hand, I feel like oh, we're seeing the same films over and over again, right? But on the other hand, I'm very aware that like there's still new generation sprouting. Like things didn't stop when it was just me. And I'm very like this I like okay, this feels like even though I didn't enjoy Lil, it wasn't necessarily meant for me right like i feel like marseille martin yo shout out to that young queen right the fact that she is a producer on a film leading a film at the age of 14 years old and she's very aware of i guess i guess she's like gen z right she wanted a film for girls like her i it's it is irresponsible for me as a 33 year old black man to say like oh, i don't care about that this didn't speak to me well i'm not i'm not self like come on like it's we gotta understand that right and it's it's a burden, but I think it's a burden that I think we should gladly accept. And until we get to that place, like what Aaron was talking about, where we no longer have like to amount to this, you know, then it'd be great when we don't have to do that. But I don't want to stop doing the biopics because, like, I'll tell you this: like, I guess you could say Chadwick Boseman. This dude's been <laughs> he's been Thurgood Marshall, Mister you know, Biopic. He's, Mr. Biden, James Brown and Jackie Robinson. James Brown, Jackie, Jackie Robinson. Robinson. I think, yo, doesn't he have an, I think, I feel like he has another one. Oh, 100%. 100%. He really, really he does. He lost weight and, for it. And, yeah, like, there's so much, but like, there's still, and the thing is, folks, there's still more, like, I think the Emmett Till story is supposed to be, uh, supposed to be with out, Taraji. So. Taraji P yes. is going to be in that. By the way, the guy's name I was thinking about, John Brown, white abolitionist. He is literally Hollywood's oh, white savior. A white he is a white <laughs> savior. <laughs> I'm telling you, he is the epitome of a white savior in a good way. Savior. In a good way. Go. Like, that's the white savior we actually need to see with, was a, a white man during slavery, fighting against slavery. I mean, fighting against slavery, getting slaves out of it. Oh, my gosh. Why hasn't this movie been made? But mm. I, dig- I digress. Um, I think that I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet because my real thing is, is I understand why people ask these questions. I guess I'm just sick of speaking in absolutes. Like it does not have to be one or the other. Like it doesn't mean that the minute we start focusing on other stories that we no longer tell the stories of freed slaves or Harriet Tubman or Martin Luther King 
I, I feel like at this point we've said it in every single episode, but all we want is a bigger slice of the pie. Like we have a, like, let's say we have a quarter of this pie. Well, the majority of the rest of the market has the other three quarters. We just want half. We just want to be able to tell rom-coms and I, I mean, we talked about, I know we talked about it before we recorded, but come on, like a black science fiction or black fantasy, like TV series, movie, anything like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It's not like all of a sudden we're going to get the black version of the expanse. And I'm going to say, Oh, see you later. MLK. Like you've been replaced. I never want to see another movie with you again. <laughs> like I'm not, it's not one or the other. And I think that people that, that talk about being an ally, they'll say, yeah, we're tired of seeing black people as slaves movies, but like, don't you, don't you love that? We're still telling that story. And it's like, yes, I do. Because that story does still need to be told, but that's not the only story that needs to be told. And as a writer, like my my job is to do exactly what Miss Martin was doing is to create a story where the audience can can put themselves into the into the shoes of my characters in ways that they weren't able to do before. And I always hated the fact and we all know Miss J.K. Rowling is problematic in a lot of ways these these days. But I get so mad at myself when I think back to being a kid and reading the description of Hermione and never once thinking she could have been a black girl Mm. because my brain had told Mm. me no matter what, this character's gotta be white period. And it's just like our goal as creators and as perpetuators of these art forms is to encourage imagination. And all we want is more imagination. At least that's all I want. And I'll leave it at that. That was beautiful. Like, I, I, you know, it, it really, really works. I, I think that's what we're craving. You know, I think like the entire goal of this podcast series was understand where we come from and where we are now. And then like springboarding to a hope of like where we can be. Like, I love science fiction. I love fantasy. I love genre. I love horror. Like, and I, I think we, we got a little bit of black horror in like the seventies and eighties and stuff like that. Um, but if anything, I think like we can go even further and we got to get out. Right. And, but I, I want us to, I want it, I want that to propel other storytellers because one, I think some black audiences have been conditioned that those type of stories don't appeal to us. Like I, I even, I forget where it was and it was like, Oh, you know, we don't need horror films because being in America is a horror film. And we've literally convinced ourselves what? like, Oh, that because of the things that we go through in our daily lives, we don't need that because just being black in America is a horror from itself. And I, I've heard folks in of my community talk of that, but like they won't really change that till they see more of themselves in those ways. You know what I'm saying? So like, I, I, I think I, I really think that we could do like one, and you know, we touched on it with black Panther that showed us a really big opportunity of like seeing ourselves as heroes and heroines in like a great way and i think there was a um there was another uh a twitter user that i chimed in this was Lindsay on twitter at the number one of my stories um how do you feel about them making a black spider-man and how does it play into the stances that we have on the podcast that's exactly what surprised me the most like the fact that when we all heard that sony was going to make a spider-man movie was going to make it a cartoon to come out in theaters. We just all was like, oh, God. And then they said it's going to be Miles Morales. Okay, well, maybe some folks. <laughs> I know me. I was like, we. the last stink that I had of Sony was Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Jamie Foxx and that weird hair, okay, as Electro. 
<laughs> so I was like, I don't know what y'all about to do. Let's not mess up this whole MCU thing that you got. And then they literally made. I, I feel bad that like I grew up out of comics and didn't get around to fall in love with Miles Morales in an organic way. That is my Spider-Man. Um, I connect to Miles Morales in so many ways. His story is very representative of how I grew up or even just my transition in moving into New York when I was eight years old. And I literally cried at the end of that movie because one, it was beautiful to see myself. Like that is my superhero, right? Because the only person I had outside of Blade who really wasn't a hero was Green Lantern, right? John Stewart. Like that was it. And that dude was like 40 some years old, right? But seeing him meant everything to me. And I think we had talked about it before, like, oh, we don't want to like feel like we're pandering. Miles Morales wasn't a character that was pandering to an audience. It was just like a natural, authentic representation of what a hero would look like in this part of New York. Because he's not from, you know, from Queens, like how Peter Parker is, right? And it doesn't take away from Peter's story. This is Miles Morales' unique story. And I thought it was beautiful. And it's, it's, it's my favorite, like, animated film of the decade. I want more stories like that. Look, um, first of all, I was excited, period, that this dude was uh coming out. Um and by the way, shout out to the fact that this was created by Michael Brian My uh Brian Michael Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis. A white guy, you know, who again took his time, did his research, he tapped Modern into day John Brown. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like he took the time to really develop a character that I want to say resonated with the culture that he was, you know, trying to appeal to. And it worked. I mean, the moment I saw this character in some Jordans, I was like, we're there. We got it. Because that is what a young teen, you know, in that area would probably grow up with. And, you know, not to mention the fact that he's not just black. He's biracial. He's Hispanic and black. And that intersectionality is so beautiful. I remember when I posted about this um, on my fan page, Eman's Movie Reviews on Facebook. Go check it out. Um, I made this post, and the meme was like something about oh, black superheroes, and we got Miles Morales too. Unexpectedly, I had some Hispanic followers who are great folks. They came in with some heat like, yo, you're not going to take him away from us too. And I was like, first of all, I wasn't saying he was only black. We could share him, you know, just fine. But I think that was so beautiful <laughs> that they also were impassionate about that, that they also were like, yo, we feeling him, too, because he's speaking for us, too. So when 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 it came on the screen, I had no problem with it, um, especially because Lord and Miller are like fantastic so from a production standpoint those those guys know comedy humor they stay true to the comics um and just to kind of give you a little comic you know stuff the fact that they made this um a spider-man from an alternate reality i think that's key because it wasn't something to rub people the wrong way where you're just trying to uh, replace a, a, a hero with heritage with tradition you know, this isn't passing down the mantle. No, they're both equally Spider-Man. They come from different dimensions, which means they're on the same platform. You know, in another time, in another world, in another space, 
this Spider-Man just so happens to be black. And then you still have your Peter Parker. You still got Miles Morales. You still got all those other, you know, piggly versions and all the other ones too. And that to me, Gwen Stacy, you know, as well, Spider-Man can be a woman, you know, in that sense. Um, and, and that to me, I thought was the perfect balance in terms of showing that type of what if, but then blending it, not trying to spoil the movie, but blending it as in, but this could be it too. You know, once you get into the different realities. Yeah, I know for me, Spider-Verse, I was, I was like, I was high in, in test, in anticipation when it was about to come out. I saw the first images. I saw the Jordans. I saw the way his, even the way his hair looked. I was like, they got the, they got it down pat. They got it pretty good. His hair and was then, my favorite part. Yeah, because it was just like that natural hair, you know, those twists and everything. And, you know, I was like, okay, I got somebody who looked like me. I mean, he's a kid, but he looked just like me. So that was great. And also the voice acting, you know, you you got this plethora of black talent. I mean, you have Mahersha Ali. You got Brian Tyree. Sure. Moore. Moore, who also played in another great film that everybody should see called Dope, made in 2015. That's yes. another great film you should see him in. Great. Any other- great film. And also, he plays in the um, Hulu's on um, Wu Tang and uh, an American Story. That's another great show that everybody should see. But yeah. has great voice acting talent. And I also love the fact that Miles Morales, as a character, he was into graffiti. And you know, black and like you know, it doesn't get talked about a lot. But street art—that's also another dimension where black culture has impacted a lot of things. You know, we have Basquiat. Yeah. You know, we we we've always had the, the graffiti's on the freeway passes, on the subway buses. Like I love that little NYC detail and everything. And then yeah. you know, it was a great soundtrack. And the thing I love absolutely the most is that it it just felt all natural, it felt all organic with Mouse Morales. I was kind of scared and worried how they were going to pull it off, you know, because I had read the comics of Miles Morales when I was little, and but they got. Every bit of his detail, every bit of his flavor, you know, the chemistry with the other Spider-Mans, it was just, it was beautiful to watch. And it may not get seen that way, but I think years from now, people will see this on the same level as a Black Panther as far as cultural relevance, especially in the animation genre where we don't see a lot of, like, leading Black characters. Because the only Black family I knew before him that was anime was the Princess and the Frog, you know, so we don't see it a lot. And we're getting soul this year, you know, from, um, I think it's either Disney or Pixar. I'm thinking. Um, I think it's Pixar. Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong. Oh yeah, Soul Soul coming out. Uh, I think it's after Thanksgiving before Christmas. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's opening the door up for movies like that. You know, and yeah, I love Spider Verse. It's amazing. I I think like I'm really really proud of that movie. <laughs> I'm really really proud of it. Um, I'm, I'm proud of this y'all conversation. Said, y'all I, said everything that I would have said. So I mean, hey. Love it. <laughs> no, perfect. Yo, I, I, I'm proud of this conversation, like, in charting out, like, the good of black cinema. Not even, like, the bad, but, like, just kind of, like, the mixed. <laughs> you know, I can't even say, like, it's bad or, like, the ugly parts of black cinema, because I think this, it's a very nuanced conversation. And, and I hope that conversations like this that y'all who are listening to right now can be able to listen in and on, just get, like, an insight into four different perspectives. And yes, we all happen to be critics of color, but ultimately we're also moviegoers and we love stories. And I think we all have a passion for telling stories in our own way. And I think that's what lends to the way that we write and how we critique film. And I think we we touched a gamut of a lot of different things in black cinema that, (laughs) believe me, there's not enough hours in the day 
definitely not in this podcast episode to be able to touch it into. Like, I, I think we're inspired to like, um, there was a question that came over uh, from Kate as well, like a beginner's guide to black cinema films to introduce to sheltered white people. I think that's a great episode. Thanks. Thank you for doing the work for me, Kate. Like, <laughs> I think that's going to be a perfect bonus episode title. Um, and we're going to have to do some homework. Um, I know Aaron's already got a lot that she's got to watch herself, <laughs> but she definitely has a lot to be able to contribute just to like, you know, the essentials. And I think Aaron, she's a pro at the essentials. I tried to do like a play on words <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> you know, but, um, like, yeah, like something we can kind of put together, you know, one or two films per genre to be able to recommend because there's so much that for a lot of folks that never put themselves out there or, maybe got intimidated by the word urban or something like that that missed out on some really amazing stories so be on the lookout i know that's something i think that we could put together and put together hey and let me just say this if you want i i would i would say that this is a prerequisite everyone who is even interested in that bonus episode this is an absolute must watch colby you had mentioned it earlier but i actually sat down and finished watching it they've got to have us on Netflix, mm. required viewing. I cannot stress that enough. Matter of fact, that movie that that it's a three part documentary that literally sums up our entire series. This whole black label, everything. You watch that, and you'll take away everything we've been talking about, and then some. I sat there. It'll be enhanced. Oh, a hundred percent. I was learning stuff about Harry Belafonte and all these other dudes, like that I had no idea about. And it was yep. it was scary how much they tapped into that documentary that we've been trying to get at at, at a surface level here. And I mean, like, yeah. I will say this. I've always respected Robert Townsend before, but I have 10 times more respect for him now just from a filmmaking yeah. and producer perspective. This dude was he is legendary and needs to be celebrated yes. like way more than he already is. So they've got to have us. On Netflix, now streaming, now streaming on, Netflix. on Netflix. Please go watch that. You will come out way ahead of your other, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, friends that want to try and catch up on black cinema. If whatever. you want to be an, if you want to call yourself an yes. ally, one, continue listening to the back to the black label. Like, subscribe, comment, and share. Go watch. They've got to have us now streaming on Netflix and brag about. All you learn to your friends. Yes. All right. It'll make you an instant. You got four friends in us. You're you're an instant (laughs) expert. Instant. That is correct. We, 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 I swear if I could, if I could print out like official black label cards, you want to go get a black card, but you can get a black label card and you could just have this. Keep it in your wallet. Like, uh, um, before you check me, I've got a black label card. (laughs) Trying to throw that down at like your local Cinemark or your AMC. Be like, is this, absolutely. Is this help? (laughs) <laughs> you'd be surprised the amount of discounts you'd be able to get on that. But, yo, you got four friends in us. Oh, don't worry. We, we, we can talk about it. It's like one of those unwritten things. Like you don't even have to say it. like, oh, you're just, you're invited on the black, on the back of the card or say you're invited to the cookout. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yo, this has been another fun episode. Thank you guys for, for sharing, celebrating movies. And, and I'm excited for next week. Um, it's going to be a real, real good one. Um, representation and intersectionality and some other stuff, um, which we would love to get some additional questions because I think those have been really fun to be able to answer for you guys, um, you know, on the podcast and very illuminating for us 
to kind of sit back and think about too. So uh, we really do appreciate that. But yo, starting out with my man up in Washington, Kales, let the folks know where they can be able to find you. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram under the alias Black Nerd Magic. You can find me on Facebook as my name, Kales Davis. And you can also check me out in some of my reviews on feelingfilm.com and Letterbox under the same name, Black Nerd Magic. Hey, the queen, Miss Erin. Where can folks find you? Ow. They can find me on Instagram and essentially Aaron. I'm sorry, I can only do that for like one sentence. Um, essentially Aaron, <laughs> E-R-Y-N-N-E. You can find me on Twitter, Aaron Hundley. You can find me walking the streets of Seattle. You can probably find me taking the bus or the shuttle to work. Um, but just don't stop me. <laughs> Yo, in the Midwest in Chi-Town, my man. Emmanuel, yo, man, where can the folks find you? Man, you can find me in these streets reviewing these movies and stuff on social media. So, uh, yeah, Instagram, uh, Twitter, it's at Eman's Reviews. That is E, M as in Mary, A, N like Nancy, S, R, E, V as in Victor, I, E, W, S. And, uh, absolutely check me out on YouTube and Facebook. And that's E-Man's Movie Reviews. E-Man, just like He-Man without the H. And, uh, by the way, feel free to shoot any questions to either one of us that you might have so that we can highlight that on the next episode. We absolutely love hearing from you all. Ditto to all of that. You can find your boy Kobe Mac. I'm on all the socials at Kobe told me on Twitter and Instagram and I'm on Facebook at Kobe Mac. You can check out any of my reviews when I get around to writing full ones at Kobe told me.com and listen to the Kobe told me podcast as well. Once again, y'all, thank you very much. This has been the black label and until next time, keep feeling film. Peace.